heatwave is over, but the party never stops. It's the IGN UK podcast. I'm Simon. Hello, Joe. Hello, I'm Party Joe. <laughs> I've got a yellow shirt and shorts on, and I'm ready. Oh, actually, and a little bit of an empty bottle of Corona I've got on my desk as well. <laughs> You've got an empty bottle of Corona at 11am? Well, I didn't drink it today, I just, I'm, me- I'm messy. <laughs> I've also got okay. an empty packet of Doritos, so it's all it's all good over here, baby. Wow. It's the memories a... of the party long gone. Stunning stuff. Matt, have you got any empty produce? Uh no, no, I've got got a sock here. If that's useful. <laughs> that is empty. It is. <laughs> it is empty. Eat the sock. Eat the <laughs> sock. <laughs> You've got roughly an hour to eat the sock, Matt, or you will not be appearing on this podcast again. Oh well. Farewell, everyone. <laughs> I watched I watched the second half of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets yesterday, because that's the kind of fun guy I am. <laughs> um, you forget at the end of that film, and this is obviously a fairly major tangent, but you know the bit where Dobby gets accidentally given a sock because mm. Lucius Malfoy has it... Hi- well, it's hidden in a diary that Lucius yeah. Malfoy has. In the film, and I don't know if it's the same in the book... Lucius Malfoy turns around and starts doing the death spell. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's in the book at all, but I remember this because I was shocked as a child. <laughs> shocked. He's, he's going to kill Harry Potter, stone dead, in Hogwarts next to Dumbledore's office for giving his elf a sock. <laughs> know, it's... it's amazing. Anyway, sorry. Just um, a bit of just a bit of triv for you. I lo- do you know what? I love Actually, triv. saying that that all connects together because this sock is a Slytherin sock. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> and did you put Slytherin in the morning? Uh, they're a little bit too small because I shrunk them in the wash. So no, <laughs> it's a tight <laughs> fit. God, what, what a state of It's a real fucking Hufflepuff to get in those bad boys nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a real Raven Claw to get your hand. Mm, in. That uh, didn't work. Too far. Carry Let's on. Let's move on. There's more. <laughs> Get out the Gryffindor. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'm very lucky to have two big news boys here with me because there's big news this week. Well, mm. it's very specifically, it was all kicking off in the space of about two hours last night. Yeah, I had a minor freak out about this because I was offline at the time and came back to a million Slack messages just saying, like, all, you know, Apple and Epic mm. were having a big bust up. And then uh, I just didn't... I was so freaked out that I forgot to actually check our website to see if the news was up. So I was like, who's writing this? <laughs> and then everyone was just like, it's written. Chill out. Let's, a lot has happened. I mean, we don't normally talk about business stuff on this podcast. We'll briefly talk because it's big stuff. Uh, yeah. But w- w- the starting point was, wasn't it? So Fortnite. Ye- yesterday... Where did it start? Ye- yesterday, <laughs> Epic lowered all of its prices for real money stuff by 20%. And across everything but mobile, that's just a discount. But the reason for this discount is that on mobile, Apple and Google, or Android, they are uh, they introduced a direct payment method. So they circumvented the way you're meant to pay for stuff through their stores. Um, and so you could still pay through their stores, uh, but it cost 20% more than if you paid Epic directly. And they specifically called out the fact that both of those stores have a th- take a 30% cut of all fees, which is fucking enormous and is a real kick in the balls for a lot of developers. Um, and then a few hours later, Apple removed Fortnite from the App Store 
And Fortnite, knowing this was going to happen, or Epic, knowing this was going to happen, sued them and put up one of the most embarrassing videos I've ever seen, which is a parody of a parody that Apple did about 1984. That was the bit, like, up until that point, I was like, okay, do you know what? Fortnite and Epic have a point here, like, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the iOS store has been in the news for Microsoft reasons as well, or just Apple have been in the news more specifically and then that video came out especially the hashtag free Fortnite. Ugh, to me was just Jesus embarrassing Christ. trying to get some sort of groundswell movement for a multi multi billion dollar like enterprise to me yeah it's just sad and the way basically just weaponizing angry children. children yeah yeah this is the thing is like i think you can see you can see epic's point but the way they are doing it feels so insidious to me mm. uh, like it's so um, planned as well like yeah calculated uh, luke plunkett uh, it's worth pointing out that google following that also removed mm-hmm. it from its store and they've sued Go- epic has sued google now as well but um there's a very good thing from luke Plun- plunkett on kotaku which was just initially it was just called everything about this sucks <laughs> that <laughs> was the headline it's very good it's a, and it's a brilliant rundown like short and to the point but a brilliant rundown of just like how depressing it is to watch these like enormous companies have this little fight and try and you use their audience as part of like it's like it's turning customers into marketing tools now and it's just imagine if they put this much thought and like ambition into this as they did in solving massive issues in the world right now this is it it would be a lot better wouldn't it (laughs) when you're when you live in a time of fucking Black Lives Matter and a pandemic. Yeah. To try and start this like hashtag thing and for it to obviously work because it's the mm. biggest thing on the planet. Like it's just so annoying. <laughs> like there's I have no good and don't like again, Luke Plunkett makes this point and it's one I totally agree with. The the idea here is ultimately if it works out potentially very good for smaller developers mm-hmm. but i have no real faith that That's this will result in anything else yeah. than apple and google give them a discount um yeah. because they're the big boys and they can throw their weight around exactly I, I don't believe that epic are working to the best interests of smaller developers and i'm very happy to be proved wrong on that but i haven't seen anything that no, proves to when, me that that's when has a massive corporation done something like this not for their own benefit yeah so this is the like, thing like this neatly ties into the epic game store stuff yeah. which you know i've always brought i don't take particularly take sides with you know massive corporations that believe epic are work, worth 17 billion i think yeah. arguably yeah. the most successful company in gaming like, this is a company that has the most used engine in all of gaming, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, but I get their whole thing with, like, Steam, because Steam were taking 30%, and so they were like, we're going to offer a better alternative for smaller developers. But in the long run, it means that if they can create a big success at that store, they get a lot of money because they still take a cut, even though it's smaller than Steam. And it's a case of, in this point, yes, the knock-on effect, as you say, could lead to thousands of indie developers that are putting ios and android games out having a better cut but the the current situation is is they're just looking for more money to fuel their 17 billion dollar business yeah it's, it's just a, if you're listening to this, fucking death <laughs> don't take sides with big corporations 
They're not trying to help you. They'll also, never take your side. <laughs> when Cyberpunk <laughs> suggested that, you know, by the time we got to 2020, there'd be corporate wars going on, mm. I expected it to be a lot more exciting than a fucking terrible parody. Yes, yeah, Snow Crash forever. led me to believe that Pizza Boys would have katanas and shit, and this is fucking <laughs> boring. <laughs> You're right, Joe, this is boring. Should we move on to fun stuff? Yes, please. Matthew, you've mm-hmm. been knee-deep in Outriders. Gross. I mean, I've definitely been at least waist-deep in it, I think. Ooh, been doing IGN first. Very deep. Yeah, that is the IGN first this month, which you've been, well, you've been very much involved with, mm-hmm. Matthew. Um, you p- played Outriders a, was it a couple of months ago now. Yeah, like... For the first time. Early on in lockdown, right? It was, I think, yeah. the first... When was that, though? Christ knows, 2016, something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think you were you were enjoying the combat then, but you're fairly lukewarm on it as a whole. Yeah, How I do sort you feel of, now. Basically, at the when the last time we spoke about it, I didn't really know what Outriders was, other than it was quite a decent third person shooter that got really cool powers. I now am better informed because I got to play about. Me and Dale went and played it a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer than that now. But we got to play lots of segments from it rather than just one. And kind of quite quickly figured out that actually this is basically Mass Effect meets Diablo. Which, now you're going to listen to me so I can that explain sounds, to you well, how yeah, that, that works. That sounds like what a lot of people would want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is, is when you say Mass Effect meets Diablo to people, I think you immediately get a certain idea of what that might mean. And that's not necessarily what this game is. So... If your first thought for Diablo is isometric, it's not isometric. And if your first thought about Mass Effect is romanceable people and being able to make massive decisions that carve the universe in two, you're not going to get that either. It's a slightly more... It's other aspects of those games that this takes. Uh, So from the Mass Effect thing is the game is built. I was expecting it... I didn't know if it was like an open world or if it was like how Destiny does planets that you drop onto that it's got lots of things around. It's actually built a lot like Mass Effect games are on those Bioware RPGs where there's kind of like a large area, but it is a a sort of linear environment, but it means there are little pathways that you go off to do side quests and stuff like that. Okay. Um, And then from the Diablo side of stuff, we're talking, it's the customization. I know, Cardi, you've been playing Diablo 3, haven't you, recently? I have. You know how like those characters are massively customized. Like you've got tons mm-hmm. of modifications you can do so every attack can be slightly different than it was before. Yeah. It's all about that side of stuff. Um okay. and the game is structured a lot more like a traditional RPG than I thought it would be. Um like you you can go into towns, you can talk to characters, there's dialogue trees, those people give you quests, you go off into different sort of hub zones and do quests. So it's not I was expecting it to be something like... I know that The Division is more structured than Destiny is in terms of an RPG, but I thought it would be that, like, there's just lots of activities that you go out and do, and some of those are bigger questy missions than others. But it's not. It's actually a big story-based RPG, and there's a start and there's an end. And This kind of sounds like... And they're both square games. This kind of sounds like what I hoped Avengers would be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think out of... <laughs> it's close it's actually it's much closer to um another game which obviously gets these sort of elements which is borderlands which obviously isn't a games as a service but is a very heavily loot based rpg that does have a start a middle and an end with a story and it does kind of it even looks like those original borderlands Mm. things like it's got that same like 
grim outworld vibe type stuff that they were going for before they turned it into cartoon fart joke place yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah i've enjoyed what i've played of it i still i still think i admire it more as kind of like a theoretical exercise like i really like the combat but i feel like i've got my fill of that having played it for i guess eight hours mm-hmm. now over the two mm-hmm. sessions and I think those characters are really fun. Like the genuinely, that like there's there's a character that's not been revealed yet, but the three that have, I think, have all got really cool powers. And in this sort of hands-on, I got to use the modification system, which meant that like you could cast abilities twice before they had to cool down, and and minor things like that that will probably have a massive knock-on to your playstyle. Like knowing mm. that you can do two quite powerful attacks at once, and you build around that. And I think that's really fun. When I think about how it's built as an RPG and a bit Mass Effect-y, what I want is those characters to be like endearing and, mm. and to have something that I follow through. I think even though it's kind of got those base blocks, like you've got this slightly grumpy guy that drives your big space RV around the world with you, and he takes you. So, so he's essentially Joker from um, Mass Effect, um, but he's not fun. He's not like... <laughs> I can see where they're going because he's like this grizzled, grumpy guy and he's supposed to be fun. But what I've played with him so far, he's not endearing to me. And so I... That's what... Yeah, that's what I've got from a lot of it. It seems fairly humourless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very much so. I don't know if... I don't know. They Games will... I play for a long time, I need kind of a bit of... Level, or a bit of... Fun to... Yeah. Not fun, you know. No, I know what fun. you mean. You want some yeah. levity and you want some charisma, right? And... Mm-hmm. I think Destiny's quite good at that, especially when they used to have Cade before they killed him off. Like, Cade was quite funny. Mm. Um, but in general, that world is not taken seriously. It's a big, bright world that's got tons of gold in it and, you know, mm-hmm. these mad sort of wizards in, on the moon and shit like that. Whereas Outriders is designed to... I mean, Heart of Darkness is one of their inspirations for the story. It's supposed to be about a colonization gone bad. And I... Th- I think that will work for a lot of people and I think that is what you know there are plenty of people that wanted Andromeda to be like this big kind of gritty adventure of colonizing a new world mm. um it's just as I say I really like the I genuinely think they've cracked the combat and I I expected that from people can fly that that's their bag um I'm just less enthused about the story I like the structure like this as I say I think theoretically I like the game and I've enjoyed writing about it. I think I've probably had my fill though and I don't know if I'll go in for the actual release build. Yeah, mm. I think so. I, I am like, I'm enthused by the by the constant refrain from them that it's like, it is a an experience that has a beginning and an end. And like, that's actually led me to want to play it more because the more I read your stuff, the more I'm like, okay, right, this is doing a bunch of... People Can Fly making a shooting game is a good thing. Uh, I'm into that. And also, just like Marvel's Avengers, the thing that gets me is that it feels like people are looking at Destiny's tree skill trees and going like, let's make that more interesting. Let's just let's put a few more options and you can mix and match and like fuck around with it and make something that feels more your own. Like Diablo does, which is a series that I've never fully gotten into, but that's always been the appeal. Um, and I like that stuff is what's leading me to go in. I Like... It's sad to me that developers like People Can Fly probably... And maybe this is unfair and I'm putting words in their mouth, but to me it feels like they've been forced into a situation where they have to make a hybrid game because mm-hmm. you, it's not fashionable or easy to make 
single player limited experiences anymore so yeah <laughs> one of the things that i've written as part of ign first is kind of a making of and mm. that's bit that was a fascinating little conversation i say little conversation an hour-long conversation <laughs> with three of their guys uh and it's really admirable that they were they used to obviously be part of epic for for about three years they were called epic games poland and they were mm. like we don't want to work on Fortnite anymore, which I get. Um, and so it they is broke- bonkers that they made, helped make Fortnite. Like, yeah. that's going to be the big forgotten development story of mm-hmm. of this century, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's mad. But so they obviously bought their way out of their deal with Epic. They went back solo, and they were thirty, you know, maybe forty people when they started that. They're now almost two hundred people strong, with three different studios across the world. There's Poland, there's New York, and there's. I think they're in Newcastle as well. Mm. Um, And so they've got, you know, hundreds of people that have helped work on this game. And, you know, as as their idea for it, it sounded like it started as this RPG shooter they wanted to make. And then as their ambitions grew for it, they brought Square in. And that's sort of like, is the question, did Square want it to be more than just an RPG that was a bit like a gritty Mass Effect? So they were maybe that's where the idea because it has an end game that's like this endless, the repeatable stuff that they haven't really spoken that much about yet. But we know Mm. it's there. Like, is that the side that comes from kind of publisher demands or not? Like, I mean, exactly with you, Joe. Like, I don't want to put those words in in people can fly's mouth because I don't know what the story there is. But it would be interesting to see where kind of like publisher demands and developer ambition kind of gels together there. Mm. Well, Outrise is out in December, I believe. Currently, they're aiming for. It's definitely. Is that right? Uh, end of this year is. I just Googled it and it mm-hmm. said December. Maybe it's wrong. <laughs> I mean, December's certainly a placeholder to have. Yeah. And like, they want to come on out. current and next gen. Yeah, it? it's, so. it's a cross generational thing. So, you know, if the suggestion that the Xbox is coming out on November the 6th, is 6th? it? That's, yeah. It's, it, currently, it looks like either it's November 6th or the stuff like the controllers come out on number november 6th and the console comes out on november 13th i think it's the other oh because the controllers are backwards compatible right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um is it 13th yes because that's the friday afterwards and that's when uh yakuza's meant apparently meant to come out and it's a day one xbox one thing isn't isn't that cyberpunk as well cyberpunk oh god no i forget but I mean, Cyberpunk's not coming out on next year. Cyberpunk's nineteenth of November. Yeah. Uh, which leads us on actually, because we're going to talk about a little bit. Of wow! Cyberpunk. Oh wow! <laughs> that was actual an, an accidental segue. Um, we haven't talked about this game in a long time, mainly because I think everyone's just excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> and not much more needs to be said. But they had their is it the second Night City. They call it Night City Live. Night, Night City, City Wire. Wire. That's it. Because wires um, are what you get for the cyber devices. <laughs> <laughs> as well as showing us about what seemed a ridiculous amount of weapons in this game, mm. um, they also went into a bit more detail about the three different paths you can start as in this game, which I didn't realise had quite the... Like, it changes up basically your first few hours of the game. Yes. Yeah, so and seems to be everything else as well. Yeah, I think but. so. It's, it's a... It, it's essentially like when you made those initial choices in Mass Effect where it's like, here's my history, um, mm. except this time your history is the prologue of the game to some extent. Is um, that what Did they confirm that the prologue ends in the 
you all, you're trying to get to the same point. Everyone's prologue ends at the same point. So the prologue leads you to the same place through different means. All three life paths are presented as people who are friends with Jackie Estacado, the guy who keeps popping mm. up with the ludicrous accent. And... Um, <laughs> Not the ludicrous accent, ludicrous choice of words. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, because I think you we were talked about this, but isn't it that Jackie knows three characters in the course of your game, each of whom would be you if you chose that life path? I have heard that before, So I think, yeah. like, and there is the all... intersection of all of this to happen. Yeah, so I think there's always a nomad he knows, there's always a street kid he knows, and there's always an ex-corpo that he knows. And you're just choosing one of those people. I wonder if they're very similar missions, but you're just doing them in different places, or they're completely different I think they'll be sets. very different. I, th- I think they're completely different up until towards the end of the prologue. So I know that um, because Ryan and Miranda from the US office both had the first four hours hands-on and that was starting, that ended at the end of the prologue. Um, Mm -hmm. And Miranda was a nomad and Ryan was... Street Corpo? I thought he was a Corpo. Can't remember. Um, But yeah, certainly they had very different experiences getting to the end of the prologue. I, I don't know how much it's like once you get into the city you're ending up kind of walking around the same side quests and stuff but certainly the location wise there's a massive difference for sure because yeah. i think I it, we could go oh yeah i just think that that all of those prologues i think lead to the quest that was shown at e3 in like 2018 which mm-hmm. is the one where jackie sends you to get the the drone bot mm. i think they all kind yeah. of somehow there there's a story beat that allows all of those paths to kind of intersect at that point yeah well, I thought we could quickly discuss what we're thinking of picking because my my opinion has changed a lot since I watched that. Ooh. So you've got the street kid, which yes, is how you grew up on the streets of Night City. <laughs> well, you've ruined who you're going to pick. You? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got the street kid. You've kind of grown up on the streets of Night City, kind of more in the deprived areas is what they're kind of mm-hmm. saying, basically. Uh, you've got the corpo or corporate, which is you're a big... Tyrell Corporation boy. Basically. I am a hundred percent going corpo. Really? Yeah, it's the most it's the most interesting uh, that's interesting because I'm now gonna think I'm gonna go nomad. I got turned off nomad, so let's really I got turned on nomad. Oh mama (laughs) (laughs) I was originally gonna be corpo, I think. Mm. Because I felt like maybe I'll play this game a bit evil. (laughs) But that's that's it. Like it's I usually play Paragon in most games, you know, for want of a better term. Um, But for me... Can we dive into this? Can I start? Yeah, let's go. For me, the Corpo thing is interesting. Look, I don't want to get too much into the the stuff that I always talk about, but Corpo, to me, strikes me as very much it's the green street of Cyberpunk 2077. (laughs) You're like... You're in the big... You're going to have to expand You're in the big... It appears to be... You're like in the rarefied, uh, like upper echelons of Night City <laughs> society, i.e., Elijah Wood at Harvard. Then you are thrown for a loop uh, by your superiors or other people. You're like, you're, you're basically kicked out for reasons that I don't think they've properly gone into in the in the description. No. Um, i.e., like when Elijah Wood has cocaine <laughs> planted on his person by his roommate the dastardly lawyer um and then um and then you get kicked out and you have to join like 
like a different society and fit in and work out how you fit but you bring with you your experience as a corporate dickhead so like elijah wood bringing his experience of journalism to help the green street elite in their wow. relentless march why towards hooliganism <laughs> why i'm being corporate and, uh, and why i think i'm a football <laughs> hooligan now but genuinely yeah. like that to, it, to me that arc is the most interesting bit of story of all of those like street kid is a is as far as i understand it is the most popular like cyberpunk did a big poll and mm. the majority of people are picking Street Kid. And, like, I totally get why. That's a cool way to be immersed in all that society and stuff. And Matt, it does I'm sure feel you're the going most it. canon for me. Yes. That feels like the most. But Corpo like, feels like yeah. the most, like, twisty and weird and slightly well, morally I'll dubious. I'll tell you why I'm thinking Nomad, because I originally didn't know the outside of the city looked like that. And mm. looked, it looks quite nice, actually. And it reminded me of, like, it reminded me of GTA San Andreas mm. <laughs> a bit, which is. What I, what I love um, but also um, I kind of I was going to play Evil but then I was you know I'm going to be a good guy mm-hmm. and it reminded me I like that idea of starting outside the city and I just feel like that moment of being of crossing into the city will be a really cool yeah. moment for the game and it's kind of the Luke Skywalker journey of being like this kind of trash farmer kid mm-hmm. on the outside <laughs> and just coming in and saving everyone can I tell you why I got turned off it because okay. I knew Nomad was an outside the city thing, but when I mm. imagined it, it was more like it was fucking Mad Max Maniacville out there and you were like chased away by some evil thing. But now it's mm. like, all oh, the Nomads are lovely people in family units and they have a lovely time, but unfortunately you have to leave. And I'm like, oh, shut up. I want to batter someone with a big spiky car. But, you know, it could also be like Big Manson family vibes. You don't know what sort of family That's true. Vibes. If it is dirty evil vibe family then i'm into it Mm -hmm. that would be that would definitely be i think we spoke about the last time we spoke about this was the the very judge dready sort of vibes Mm. i've read a very good judge dread comic which involves like a family in the like the cursed earth and they are a bit mansony culty fucked up but they're all weird like like (laughs) weird on the outside as well as the inside That's your classic 2000 AD subtle, <laughs> subtle approach. Weird on the inside and out. Matt, tell uh, us why you're going Street Kid. Well, it's so for me, kind of like so the cyberpunk genre is all about fuck corporations mm. and fuck them good. So <laughs> <laughs> a bit like how um, so, so you live life, yeah. Really. A bit like how when I played Disco Elysium and I kind of take my socialist leanings and dial them up to communism. Um, I'll be doing the same for, for Cyberpunk. Totally And fair. I think the Street Kid is the, the kind of way to channel that. I do wonder how much they're going to let you... like How much they'll let you roleplay in that way. I think Disco Elysium, unfortunately, has led to a situation well, where yeah. everyone's like, I can be anything in a role-playing game. Um, or at least it has for me. And I, mm. I mm. in terms of your choices along the way... Because obviously they made a big point of like, if you're corpo, you'll have more options to talk to that corporate lady that turns up in every single fucking gameplay trailer for this game. Um, And that makes sense to me. But am I going to be able to like go as far as if I wanted to be a proper prick, am I working my way back into the corporation to be an evil bastard again? Mm -hmm. Or am I stuck on the path of like, I now hate them, I have to hate them and do that? That's what I want to know. Like, how quickly does the main objective become the same for each? Mm. Like, or. Is it ultimately going to end up you are doing the same missions, but then you just get an end cut scene, which is either you're going back to your family as nomads or 
sitting in a big chair in a tower as a corporate <laughs> man. <laughs> I perceive it will be a lot more like The Witcher, just because obviously The Witcher has lots of you know mutations that it takes mm. along the route, but in general you are playing the same story. I think there'll be a slight different feeling because you're not a specific person. You yeah. are V rather than playing as Geralt. But I think the difference you've got here is like this is an astonishingly budgeted game. Mm. Yeah. It can't waste resources in the same way as that. I never got on fully with the Outer Worlds, but the reason why the Outer Worlds succeeds in what it does is because it's very small and compact and and sort of very thrifty with the way it works. It does have entirely different outcomes. Like I know my friend wrote a piece for a PC Gamer, I think, where he was talking about he literally played the entirety of the Outer Worlds trying to get the person that saves you at the start to be arrested by the corporations that run the universe and like he built a game around that and mm. i know that jesse's played it through twice i think and done really short like seven hour runs just doing stuff like jesse likes to do like murdering everybody mm. on a space station <laughs> and stuff like that and because the game is quite thrifty and small it's able to adapt that's where a lot of its budget has gone right the budget in cyberpunk has quite clearly gone on mm-hmm. making this astonishing like reactive world but not reactive in the role play sense i think there'll be plenty of choices to make and stuff like that but i can't imagine the budget will have have to funnel players to see stuff otherwise it's going to waste mm-hmm. yeah i can't wait for this game uh there's not really before then we've got avengers there'll obviously be new consoles around that time but it's kind of a couple of months where it's just kind of that i'm looking there's watchdogs which, there is Watch yeah, Dogs. Weirdly, kind of like half the time I think I'm more excited for Watch Dogs than Cyberpunk, but I've, then... I've definitely wavered between those two. I'm glad yeah. there's a little bit of distance between them now. So there's about I can two or three week gap, isn't there? So that should be enough to finish Watch Dogs. Yes. Yeah. Well, you'd hope. Uh, but yeah, for now we're just playing very old games. Apart from a lot of Fall Guys, which still playing a lot of Fall Guys, still very fun. I played the new final last night for oh, the first you? time. Came How's that? second, agonising. It can go on forever so if you don't know what that is it's the um jump club one where you're on a big like ring and there's two poles going spinning around you have to jump over and there's two bigger ones in the air that you can whack your head into and it just gets quicker and quicker but what i didn't realize was that the different sections of the floor start to disappear so you're only left with one little section of it by the end it sounds good. It becomes very tough. It's very good. It can go on forever. And I agonizingly lost it and I was furious. Uh, but I'm still loving that game. I need more costumes and I need more crowns. Uh, but yeah. And that in Warzone. But also, in preparation for the Control DLC that's out in what, two weeks now, I think. Yeah. I've been playing Alan Wake for the first time because A, I should have played this game already. And. B, I really want to play that DLC, so I need to know what happened in Alan Wake. Yeah, uh, I'm now five episodes in, so that's I've got one episode left of the main game. But I've been told, Matt, that I also need to play the two DLC. Bits yeah, there's there's two extra episodes where basically the entirety of Alan Wake base game ends on a cliffhanger, mm. and it's of that era where DLC was massively important to keep it. I mean, DLC mm. sort of still is massively important to keeping big budget games afloat, but if you remember the times of like you know having to sign up to codes to play anything online and stuff like that it's out of that era so i think there was probably a thought of let's make sure that people do buy the dlc to finish the game Mm. do you know what's annoying 
because Alan Wake is on Game Pass, that's what I've been playing off. Those two DLC chapters, not included, you pay £10. Well, of course, that's, the, that's how they deal with it. That's, that's <laughs> so, most uh, of Game Pass's model. Yeah, I'm still weighing up. Do I pay the £10 per or do I just at that point watch the YouTube walkthrough of, and get the story in me? Because so, I'm not going to lie, I'm very much into the story, the characters, the setting. At this point, I'm a little bored of the gameplay. Mm, it's okay. just... It hasn't really developed at all <laughs> from what they give you at the start. So I've, I've got a slightly bigger uh, torch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've also started Alan Wake. I'm far, far... Like, I think I'm still episode one-ish. Maybe I just finished episode one. Um, but because that's one of those weird games where... I don't know if you had the same thing with siblings when you were growing up, but like my brother was... I, I think what happened was my brother was playing it and I just sort of wandered in and played some when he was a bit bored and then wandered mm. out again and that was kind of my entire experience of Alan Wake so I, <laughs> I definitely have a feeling of like what's going on and what's shooting and stuff but like my knowledge of the story is so lacking that I wanted to go back before AWE mm-hmm. have you watched the 15 minutes of the Control DLC yet? I'm going to do that I haven't done I it today. haven't because I wanted to finish Alan Wake just in case it spoiled Alan mm, Wake that's a good point <laughs> uh, I probably will anyway I don't yeah but yeah I think I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's a really good story. And Remedy are very good at what they do, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, I am surprised it. by how uh, sort of purposely strange it is. Like, it mm. feels more comedic than I expected it to. Yeah. I don't know if some of the dialogue is meant... Like, some of it is meant to be funny. Obviously, you've got his uh, agent, who's kind of a comedy yeah. relief character. But, yeah, some of Alan Wake's dialogue, the way he delivers it is quite... I don't know if it's unintentionally funny or. Well, when you see it seems that way. When you see Matthew Peretta in playing, who, what's the name of the scientist in Control? Because oh, it's that guy, Dar- isn't it? Darling, is it Darling? Dar- Dar- yeah, Casper um, yeah. Darling. Casper um, mm-hmm. Darling would it be a deer and solve the his incursion? <laughs> um, but they, he's quite good at that, like teetering between silly and serious so i wonder if that mm-hmm. is a part of the the idea because he's surely I not just... changed that much as an actor in that amount of time is he delivers it so straight but there's lines like i think one episode opens with him just saying i forgot i'd lost count of how many cliffs i'd fallen off at this point <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think i think all of this is intentional because have you yeah. you've, have you played max the max Payne series yeah. like yeah. that is obviously designed to be a very hammy noir storytelling yeah. mm-hmm. and also like quite clearly a lot of the influence for alan wake comes from twin peaks which is it leans into mm. the melodrama of soap while putting the supernatural elements under it yeah. so i i get the impression it knows what it's doing yeah and it does share a lot obviously they're in, now confirmed to be in the same universe but it does share a lot of controls like control with like the voices and the like like you can see I don't know how long ago they decided to patch these together, but it feels like it's been... Well, they, they... Do you think they were making control and they thought, let's make it the same? Or do you think even back then they're thinking we could link stuff well, they, together? No, I don't think so, but I think they've referenced... They, certainly in Control, they referenced Alan Wake earlier than yeah. they announced that DLC. So I think they probably went in and went, oh, this just fits. Like This is a good little... Like mm-hmm. a good little cut together idea but it doesn't strike me there's this wild thing going around i don't know if you've seen it where someone thinks that they've spotted the oldest house in a scene in alan wake 
And like, see, I did this. Like, you can walk around. There's one bit where you can walk around. Alan makes New York apartment, yep. and he has a picture of the New York landscape. And there's a big building, but it doesn't look well. So right. they think yeah. there's a scene where you're in that apartment, and there's a snowstorm outside, and they think that you can see the lines of the building that the oldest house in real life is based on. Um, okay, and like. I looked at it for a while and I was just like, I don't think that 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 because the guy that would t- be remarkable foresight. The guy who first <laughs> reported, I think, said like a, an Easter egg ten years in the making, and I was like, I don't think this is. I think this is like a reflection yeah. that you've decided is yeah. this. Um, I'm looking forward to that DLC, but I do love what that what that says about their work on it. Like the fact that it's redolent enough that people are like looking for those clues and stuff. I think they've done a really good job of building this thing and this idea that they're now building more games in that connected universe is really exciting to me because they're Mm -hmm. fucking wicked i love remedy they are very good um matt you've been (laughs) a bit of bit of a left field one here uh why are you playing this game i'm playing assassin's creed unity because it's got (laughs) the best velvet physics in the world it does have the best best velvet physics excellent jackets but the reason why i'm playing it is because ghost of tsushima is bad (laughs) (laughs) so i'm I'm aware that this is is not the general consensus but i've i've tried so hard with tsushima like i really really tried i did all of act one like all of it I, Mm. i rinsed it through and then I know that card you said sort of like because I wasn't feeling it then you were just like just go and do the main quests. I was doing a mythic quest like I like those. They're all right. I just I <laughs> yeah. like it was the one where you have to follow plumes of smoke. Oh, that one and, is shite. Oh, to be I fair, that, is absolute that, one's, that one's not good. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it anyway, it broke me. <laughs> it broke me. It was just like this. All of this game is doing nothing for mm. me. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, I'll. I uh, so I have like a running theory that Sucker Punch is sort of was targeting this at a bunch of Assassin's Creed players that are upset with the RPG side that they've now taken up. So I was like, you know what, I'll go back and play an Assassin's Creed from the period that it feels like Tsushima is appealing to. And I was like, well, the only Assassin's Creed I've not ever finished is Unity because when it came out, it was obviously quite a mess. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get all that far into it. So, and I've been playing it, and with the benefit of a lot of patches and being able to play it on a console that's a little bit more powerful than the one I had at the time, it's very good. Yes. I like it a lot. Thank you. I've always yeah, been I a Unity it. apologist. I've never understood <laughs> the hate for that game. I finished Unity. I liked it. That, I think that was... That might have even been the last one I did finish. It's mm-hmm. got some really punishing combat in quite a satisfying way. Never puts yeah. you in giant, weird fights like the new RPGs do. It's often very controlled, and it's a lot about like parries and, and actually kind of using that system properly. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's astoundingly pretty, even now, despite being that yeah. old. Um, the interesting thing is, like, I still have this theory, and I've never had it properly put together, but it was an Xbox-marketed game. It was mm-hmm. very connected to Xbox One, and I did the review event where we had to go to fucking Paris and sit in a room for three days. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was all played on Xbox One, and no one in that place ran into any major bug beyond, like, a normal kind of crash for a pre-release mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came out, obviously PS4 was much bigger, and I just felt like the PS4 version was fucked, but because no one cared about Xbox One, particularly at that time... I think mm-hmm. it just got ignored that that was a proper Bayonetta situation where mm-hmm. one version of that game was absolutely busted. Um, 
and I think that really did for its reputation. Partic- and obviously, huh. annualized stuff was always an issue. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Unity's great. Like they're so. I, and also, he drops off a lot. But that character, at least in the intro and like the first stages of the game, where he's a bit roguish and not kind of yeah. embroiled in it, is a very fun. I, unfortunately, I can't remember his name, which says a lot. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, I oh, know. And th- this is the thing: is like so. The one of the reasons why I just can't get on with Sushima is I think it's it's a charisma vacuum. Mm. No one is fun in that game. I, w- I will say that. Yeah, you've stopped to the point where it gets interesting. I feel like the latter half of chapter Act but 2 it's not and that Act 3, the story better. stuff... I feel like it at least does more interesting story stuff. It doesn't take the obvious route, whereas the whole of that one is by the book. Yeah. I think the thing expecting. I've got is going... As you say, Joe, like, Unity looks like it could have reasonably have been released this year mm. from a slightly smaller tier developer. Like, the faces aren't yeah. all that great anymore, but... Paris itself, absolutely astonishing. I think one of the things that I don't get on with in Tsushima is it's an awful lot of field. Mm. Like, beautiful mm-hmm. fields, but I, like, I played... You a like sp- to clamber, don't you? I You're do, yeah. Because uh, one of the other things that I've had just a little dabble with recently is I've played a bit of um, Horizon Zero Dawn on PC, mm. and immediately I got stuff in the environment to do stuff with, and Aloy's climbing is a little bit more easier to do than, than Jin's is in, yeah. mm-hmm. in Tsushima. And then going to Unity, where everything can be climbed. I must say, I don't think the... Because that had the rejigged parkour Mm. system. I don't think it's quite as good as its fans like to say. It's very, very sticky. And sometimes I stick to stuff and I'm just like, oh no, fucking jump out of the way. That was the one where they properly had the like (laughs) button to go up, button to go down stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, the one thing that I think it's really accomplished that, which they they haven't seemed to have done at all since, is... It's got Hitman-style assassination missions. In the like, you, like the f- they they yeah. are for Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I really like about it is that, like, the f- I use the first one as an example. It's done in Notre Dame, and you have two different opportunities, or you can just go in and mm. kill the guy. So one of them is that you there's a guy that he's going to meet in a confessional booth. Oh yeah, I remember and you, that one. You find him. You listen to where he's going to meet him. You find out that it's going to be in the confessional booth. So you stab him so that he won't go to the booth. Then you get there before he does. And then you get a nice cinematic moment where Arno's hand like bursts through the, the wall and stabs this guy through the neck. Or one of the other things is is that you can find the, the gatekeeper for Notre Dame and you steal the keys from him and that lets you get in from a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a bit like Hitman's opportunities system before opportunities was a thing in Hitman. Obviously, Hitman does it way, way, yeah, way yeah. better. But um, it's one of the things that when I was doing a lot of research for our the one that me and Cardi did where we were looking at the evolution of Assassin's Creed, um, there are a lot of people now that think that the RPG games don't do the assassination fantasy very well. I heartily disagree because I think the the way that Cassandra works her way through Greece taking out all of the individual targets, I think he's very assassinated. I think Cult of Cosmos is still one of the best things they've ever done yeah. with that series. Mm-hmm. And you know, Origins has a similar thing. It's not as widespread, but you have the tree that leads you know, through the snake and the hippo and all of those code-named assassination targets. But they don't. when the missions are done, they are a little bit more cinematic-led, whereas Unity is like, here's a place, there's someone in it, there's a couple of different ways you could do it, or you can go and just stab them. Mm. Go and do it that way. And 
I would very much like to see that come back. I don't think, from what I've played of Valhalla, that Valhalla's going to be the game that does that. Mm. But this is a series that reinvents itself every sort of four entries or so. So Mm. let's see what it does in another game's time. And seriously, to go back to the first point, go look at the jackets. I know know I've talked a lot about jackets before. And (laughs) when you mentioned it, more than one person pointed at me about that. Um, (laughs) But... They expected me to come back and be like, nah, Yegor's jacket's way better. That was the first time I ever noticed a jacket. Assassin's Creed Unity. The velvet in that game. I was choosing shit armor because it looked yeah. really good. Like it's Yeah, like the leather is fine, but anything that's made out of like proper finery tailored material is gorgeous. Beautiful stuff. Absolutely beautiful. We should start doing feet like our the IGN UK anthology tailoring features. You've got <laughs> Yegor's jacket. Matt can do his velvet in mm-hmm. That's Creed, I'll think of one. You'll get there. <laughs> one day you'll love a jacket as much as we do. <laughs> do you know what ones um, really um, catch my eye is the um, when I saw no one's still no one's seen it, which is mad. The footage of the new Lego Star Wars that I saw at E3 oh, yeah. last year. The fabric on like the Jedi cloaks mm. looks exactly like <laughs> the, the Lego, Lego fabric. Like, fabric yeah, that's oh cool. that's very cool <laughs> i like that and yeah I you could that. do a piece on tracer's jacket you're into overwatch but it's not yeah, like in game in game it's all though is it in terms yeah, of animation really flow um mm. what was i gonna say oh uh, you know yeah classic jacket uh the original aiden pierce watchdogs jacket that never really mm. came to be that was a beautiful jacket yeah. Tell you what, it does have good jackets. Half-Life Alex, because that's got proper cloth physics. They've got all sorts oh. of physics in that. Did you see the dude who added wine? Yes. <laughs> he added proper <laughs> wine to it as a, just, as a weekend uh, hobby. <laughs> yeah. That game is not going to get any Game of the Year awards because no fuckers played it other than, like, me and Stapleton. <laughs> but, like, what a game. Like, the amount of stuff that's going on in Half-Life Alex because that company has billions of dollars mm. just to blow on projects that take them a million years to make. But good God, that's a good-looking game. One day I'll play Lovely. it. Mm. Do you know what we'll play now, though? What? An Endless Search game. Okay. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 on the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, on the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it Endless Search? I've repositioned myself on my beanbag, and I'm ready for a quiz, Matt. Okay. Quiz me. Here we go. It's another thrilling episode of PG Tips. Yeah. If, uh, if anybody doesn't know how we play PG Tips, um, we, we generally do it with films, but today we're doing it with video games. And I have four different games here, and there are five clues per game. The clues are actually parental advice given by the fans of IMDb. Oh. Imagine being a fan so they... of IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> so I generally choose slightly mad ones. Um, so let's start. Uh. Game number one. So basically, if you get it on the first clue, you get five points because they're tricky. They get gradually easier. You'll only get one point if you get it on the uh, on the last clue. Understood. So, First game, first clue. Bit of advice. If this was a movie, it would be rated R for strong bloody violence, moderate language, and disturbing images. See, strong bloody violence, but moderate language is interesting. Mm. That's an mm. odd mix. 
Also, the one thing I have found is this guy is on every single game. There is oh, always wow. there is always one piece in there which is about if this if this game was a movie, it would be rated. <laughs> Uh, uh, Resident Evil 4 No I'm going to say Oh I'm going to say Hitman No oh. I don't think he swears very much in Hitman he, He's not a sweary man at all He's very no. very Doesn't sort of speak. calm <laughs> Imagine so if Hitman speaks a lot more in the new one Imagine if Hitman yeah. every time we garroted someone was just like You're a fucking prick In their ear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he gets spotted. He's like, shit, fucking bricks. Arsehole. Oh, bye. That would be so funny. He gets shot in the leg. He's like, <laughs> Anyway, I don't think we've got that one. Okay. Next one. This is from the sex and nudity <laughs> section of the advice. Hell yeah. It says... A character mentions a club in one scene, although it's unclear what kind of club he's talking about. <laughs> oh. Max Payne 3. Max Payne 2. No. <laughs> Max Payne? No. Um, club, club, what's got a club? Think of a game that might have... I mean, gra- a club. Grand- clubs for excess. Grand Theft Auto 5, 4, the rest. Manhunt. <laughs> That's no. not got moderate language, I don't think. Um, club. Oh, God, I was going to say Final Fantasy VII, but that doesn't have... Sleeping Dogs. No. Right, uh, shall we move on? Yeah, I think we better. Yeah. I realise these ones are actually... Equi- these were quite difficult to find ones Ju- that didn't judgment? fully spoil. No. It's not a bad shout, though. Mm-hmm. These, Although, it, some some of the games are quite difficult to get ones that? that don't just give the game away, but definitely gets yeah. easier after. Th- this one's tricky, but then the na- next two are very easy. Also, Judgment does have strong language, because I don't know if you saw my uh, uh, yeah. my clip from it, but there's a bit in the English dub where a come, guy comes out and goes, You're pretty fucked now, dumbass! <laughs> and it's one of the best bits of voice acting I've heard in years. The player can choose from a large variety of guns. When used against enemies, they produce very unrealistic and cartoonish blood splatters. Mm. Borderlands 3? No. Bulletstorm. Any Borderlands? No. Lots of guns. Cartoonish. Guns. Mad World? No, that's strong language. No. Cartoonish. Doom Eternal? Mm. No. But in terms of... You know how Doom is cartoony but realistically proportioned and mm. graphics. As a clue, it is a game that it doesn't look like a cell shaded or a comic book kind of thing. No. Wolfenstein New Order, okay. Wolfenstein the Old Order, Wolfenstein no, the no. Old Blood. <laughs> but these are all okay, getting okay. within the right. Shadow Warrior? No, that's no. big language. Dishonored? No. That's more cartoony. But like, we're, we're, we're in the right like district okay. here. Okay, go on. Mm. Carry on. This, this, right. This one will be first to the the buzzer. I think. No. The majority of the enemies are severely deformed, very violent, deranged drug addicts. The last of us. Drug addicts. Yeah. Condemned. Oh, Bioshock. There we go. Of course it is. 
club for excess. Why did I, why did I think The Last of Us for drug addicts? <laughs> I forgot that they were drug addicts. Aren't mushrooms are drugs if you love risotto? <laughs> mushrooms are also oh just drugs, Cardi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'd like a risotto. Would you? Uh, we, we all would. Mm. <laughs> right. Game two. <laughs> Generalisation. <laughs> we all want risotto. Right. Game two. You can engage in violent conflicts whenever you want, which is cool for gamers, but horrible for parents. <laughs> Skyrim? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was thinking of That's a game outrageous. where you can just... Like, whenever you want, I was kind of like, okay, GTA, or, you know, one of those open world things where it's like, it mm. deals with you just attacking random people. Banger! There we go. Do you want me to do Outrageous. the other clues, or shall we just uh, Just read out on any fun you. ones. Are there any mad uh, ones in there? The, there was this one, which was, the, there are a few books in the game that contain numerous innuendo, but do not <laughs> mention anything sexual. <laughs> what? Can't have a non-sexual innuendo. <laughs> What's the point? Uh, <laughs> and then there was there's, there's one which is about how uh, the, when the protagonist is in his or her underwear, other characters may comment by either telling the protagonist to put on some clothes or simply stating that the protagonist is naked. Wow! Imagine that right. being your first thought in Skyrim. <laughs> right. Next game. So one of the main characters, but I will point out, not protagonist is voluptuous. Mm. However, this shouldn't be much of a concern. Shouldn't be much of a concern. <laughs> Borderlands? Nope. Uh, Saints Row 3? No. Mario 64? Bayonetta? No. no. Link's Awakening? Who's voluptuous in Link's Awakening? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just saying funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> The fucking um Oh what's the bow oh yeah bow wow <laughs> Chop Chop the Bow Wow is a voluptuous because he's just a ball on a chain. Yeah. <laughs> is he called right. Chop Chop? It's uh Sorry. When in parentheses protagonist destroys end boss, because I'm not gonna give those away, he bleeds a lot, but this blood does not linger in the game world. It's just an effect. Is it Arkham City? No. Arkham Assault. Is it any Batman? No, game? it's not any Batman game. Oh, read that oh, one Jesus again. Christ. Pardon? Read, read the, read the clue again. When protagonist destroys end boss, he bleeds a lot, but this blood does not linger in the game world. It's just an effect. Oh. Metal Gear Rising. No, he's not called Chop Chop. I'm an idiot. He's called Bow Wow the Chain Chomp. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm imagining blood spurts like in Metal Gear Solid 2. You know when people get stabbed in the neck and it just goes... Mm. But it doesn't go anywhere. When the vampire man happens. Ooh, Did you ever do the thing where you boy. used the cutscene editor in Metal Gear Solid 2 where you could swap all the characters out? It was uh. great. I used to swap um, uh, the man who says laugh and grow fat. Is he just called Fat Man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used mm. to put Fat Man in the vampire scene and it would just make him jump around and bite people and it was brilliant. <laughs> Is it Hitman? No, it's not Hitman. <sighs> Dishonored 2? No, it's not Dishonored Dishonored. Two. No, it's not Dishonored. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. 
One. No, it's not carry brief... <laughs> No. Very <it's> good. Not... <laughs> uh, one brief sequence depicts a battlefield strewn with the bodies of enemy creatures. In the background, a few bodies appear to be impaled on spears. Creatures. I mean, that's every battlefield in every game. <laughs> Is it a Halo I've not played? It's not a Halo you've not played. Is it Gears of War? It's not. That's a good one. What what would creatures be in? I'm going to say The Witcher 3? No. Half-Life 2? No. Half-Life? Witcher 2? No. Okay. You you went it, no, on The Witcher 3. I was like... <laughs> it's one of these games that, like... Because I think this scene is very evocative. And, like, when you know what it is, you'll just be like, I know. Mm. Creatures on a battlefield. Oh. Can we go on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. You can ask a woman for something to drink, and she responds by saying, we only serve drinks here that are definitely just for (laughs) (laughs) grown-ups. What the fuck is that? Is is this Final Fantasy VII? It's not Final Fantasy VII, Uh, no. Is it Final Fantasy X? No, it's not Final Fantasy X. Fifteen. You'd tell me if it was Final Fantasy at this point, wouldn't you? Probably not. <laughs> 15. It's not. Right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. No. <laughs> type 0 HD. Stop. No. Oh, God. Type 0 is horrible. Um, <laughs> to be just for grown up. <sighs> what the fuck is I feel this? like that's... I should know what that... I hate this. Yeah. Ocarina of Time. Does that indicate you're playing as someone who's underage? Yeah, that's what I'm... Ah. I would have thought uh, one of you would have got it by now, oh, I must say. Oh, come on, mate. Uh, a mate. <laughs> Is this Fallout 3 or Fallout 4? It's not Borderlands Fallout. 1 through 3. Uh, do you want to go to the one-pointer? Yeah. I feel like we have to. Okay. Contains frequent mild fantasy violence and moderate threat, including hand-to-hand combat and projectile-based weaponry. Impact is generally depicted with large, stylized, flashy effects and are quite unrealistic. Enemies generally blow up in smoke when defeated. Boss enemies are large and intimidating and may frighten or cause distress to some viewers. Some phantom-like monsters may teleport and attack the player. You can also be harmed by falling from high places (laughs) or being electrocuted during an electrical storm. Is it Breath of the Wild? Yes. Uh, I don't remember grown-up business. I was so I said Link's Awakening. I was like, as a joke for a Zelda game. I was like, who's voluptuous in Breath of the Wild? Zelda, apparently. Oh no, it's the um, I, it's one of the. It's the probably no 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 no. So oh, it the, is about the, Zelda. It is about it's Zelda. It's not about yeah, the fairy to, in the fairy fountain or no, see the the, the was the fairy fountain was referred in one of them, and I thought that was just too obvious. Yeah. But like. I just had in my head it was more of a grown-up game. Not the profile's not grown-up, you know what Where's I mean? No, no, it's, it's because he's a kid, right? And when he goes in, I think that's the bar yeah. that's in one of the very earliest towns mm. that you go to. Mm. How strange. Uh, anyway, there we go. Final game. So, what, what, what are the scores so far? Um, so Cardi, you are on three points, and Joe is on five. For his excellent Skyrim jump. Banger. Right, God. final game. There is a store in the city called Cuffs, with the name in bright neon. What you can't, while you can't enter or see inside, the name implies it's a fetish shop. GTA Four, DMC no. Five, no. Bayonetta Two, no. Resident Evil Three remake. No. 
neon cuffs. <laughs> True crime streets of, <laughs> streets of LA. What a game! Yeah. <laughs> Is I, that Saints Row? I always say Sorry. it. El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron. <laughs> <laughs> Scarface, no. the world is not enough. No, <laughs> it's not. Is the it, world. Wasn't it? The world is yeah, yours. The world is yours. Not the world is not well, enough. <laughs> Sorry, it's like his Bond. Got mixed up there a bit. I'd right. play that though. Oh. Tony Montana in a Bond film, fighting <laughs> Jonathan Price. <laughs> yeah. Right. Next clue. Lots of intense fighting where you can break and snap many bones of the enemy. The sound effects are quite brutal, and the game will often use a slow mo camera Batman, angle City. to hi- Arkham Knight. No. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Neon Bones. You, you're one. You're a winner. That is one of the ones. That I is one of the ones you did last time. Because I got it on Breaking Bones in that it. one as well, I think. Or maybe oh, well. maybe tomorrow did. Anyway. Winner. I'm a king. Congratulations on your victory. Thank you so much. I am delighted. Good. Right. <laughs> the end. Shall uh, we move, move on to a bit of feedback? Yeah, I'll do some feedback. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for your foreign language film and TV suggestions. We got a few. I'm just going to read out one this week, but we may revisit in the future because there's a lot of foreign language <laughs> films and, t- and TV series out there. I didn't know if people knew it's that. It's incredible. Uh, but this one is from Matt Stanton, who says, Hello, IGN crew. Hello. Or IGN UK Hi. crew, even. Sorry. Uh, finally, time to write in after listening since 2011. I wanted to bring your attention to a Japanese movie called One Cut of the Dead. It's a Japanese one-take horror movie, and I don't quite know how to explain it without spoiling anything, so I'll give you the Googled synopsis. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low-budget zombie film in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they're attacked by real zombies. It quickly ascends into... It quickly ascends its generic-sounding plot to become one of the strangest and more interesting movies I've seen in the last year. Worth a go, I rented it on Prime, but also think it's on Shudder. I've heard a lot about this film. I've not actually seen it. I've heard it's, it's very supposed good. to be I don't very know if any good, of you yeah. have seen it. No, I've heard the name. Not seen no, it. No, I was hoping one of you had. Oh well. Sorry. Into it though. I'll give it a go at some point. One cut movies always confuse me. I don't know whether I think that's wicked or a massive gimmick. Um, I, I like if it. Yeah, if it has a good effect. Like for Birdman, I think it works brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for it's not a film, but for God of War. I'm more just impressed that they could do yeah. that. <laughs> but, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, don't you do it for the sake of it. <laughs> 1917 does it very, very well. And that kind I of helps you. It. Yeah, that. I think the thing with 1917 is it helps you feel like you're part of their journey. Like, the arduous of, there's something we've got to go and do now. And you're following them doing it now. Um, whereas... Trying to think of other things that I've seen that are done in one take. I tend to find like I quite like long take sections. Like you know, children and men have got like at least three long take sections. I tend to like that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right. Uh, Me, Joe. I think this is from. Oh, is you? I think this is from Peter Van Huysen. I'm going to go with Peter Van Huysen. Sorry. <laughs> I reckon the first time was perfect. Don't worry about it. Hi, IGN UK. 
I've been listening to the coverage, or rather kerfuffle, around the Sony Crystal Dynamics Spider-Man deal for the Avengers game. People seem to be really upset about this whole thing, but I was wondering something. Around the same time, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout is announced as a free PlayStation Plus game, and people seem to have absolutely no, no problem with this kind of deal. Here, a studio and Sony also make a deal, and over 41 million people get a free game while everyone else needs to pay. Caveats, of course, being that anyone who wants can get the exact same game by paying the 20 bucks, and Fall Guys not containing any characters loved by more than just Sony fans. But what message does this send as a game developer? Hey, we've made this awesome game and we are giving away 41 million free copies, and if you're not a PlayStation Plus subscriber, we don't like you enough and we would like you to pay. This is, of course, a bit of a crude comparison, and I understand that the exposure will most likely do a ton of good for Mediatonic, that's the developer, but why be so angry for not getting to play as one specific character who maybe only appears in a small part of the game and be totally okay with having to pay for a game while millions of people get it for free love the podcast it's so much easier to imagine being inside is still cool while listening to your lovely banter greetings from vienna peter Ooh, he's from the home I'll of culture and music i know i'd love to go to vienna i'd love to go anywhere um, <laughs> hmm. uh i think this this is one of those things where you sort of have to uncouple your uh knowledge of how the world works do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm. to me, exclusive games are part and parcel of these of these deals. I would say it's better. No, I don't know. I would say in this case, uh, a full game not being available on another console makes more sense to me just on a business level than going, this character is available in one version of our many games, um, or many versions of the same game. But then, you know, I don't know. It's just, I think exclusives are <laughs> hard to deal one. with because you make a point that like you are essentially locking it off and making it free to some and not to others. But mm-hmm. it's never something I've personally got angry about. Even when I didn't work in games, like I just played games. Like I, it's something I just accepted that some things were on other things, and I'd have to pay money to get things on other things. I don't know. I've never... I've been disappointed. Like, if I was someone playing Avengers on Xbox and I love Spider-Man, I'd obviously be disappointed. I don't know how angry I'd be. I don't know. I feel like that's a different... It's, this is tough. <laughs> to me, to like, me, the real problem in comparing these two things is the sizes of the games. So, like, Marvel's Avengers mm. can... could potentially... if Aside from, like, massive overarching licensing deals which we don't know if they are a problem or not in this case um Mm -hmm. it could existentially survive with or without spider-man fall guys especially pre-release didn't know whether it was going to be a game anyone really played on a mass scale and so by going to an exclude presumably going exclusive with playstation and securing playstation plus by doing so helped them know that the game would would be a going concern and they've got like 8 million players out of it. So they made a correct decision insofar mm. as they their game now is a going concern and is like one of the biggest games in the world at the moment, improbably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I imagine that will come to other platforms. I don't know this. I, don't I mean, it's already on PC. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's effectively it's missing from two of the main consoles. I sort of think this is a little bit apples and oranges. Like, I don't think they're quite the same situation also you you do have to pay for playstation plus yeah. to get access to this it's only for a month so it's a it's the introductionary free offer mm. i guess um 
like it's all to do with business decisions so there is likeness there they are all decisions that are made to further corporations at the end of the day so there's there's definitely something there to be said but i for me an exclusive game coming out as say is is easier to deal with than having a section of content especially no one would have fucking cared if it was moon knight <laughs> yes <laughs> But it's Spider-Man, and I know that, uh, you know, half of this will almost certainly be to do with the fact that there are such heavy connections with Spider-Man to Sony mm. in their other areas, so that probably helps them with leverage. Um, but there's a, that sort of feels a little bit shadier to me than kind of small company that, you know, does a deal with sony presumably i don't quite know how playstation plus works but i assume sony pay them the equivalent of what let's say they think you know fifty thousand are going to be taken i believe it's a case by case lump sum so it's like Mm -hmm. you will be a part of our thing and we will give you this amount of money right now plus obviously microtransactions so that that to me is how they uh, is how I understand it's worked out. I think, but I do think it is a case by case basis on how much that is mm-hmm. and what that means. Um, and I think for a company like Mediatonic, that is important in the same way that I don't have a huge thing against Epic's exclusive signings because quite often they're done with developers that need mm-hmm. money and being able to have an exclusive signing that says we will literally pay you so that it will be like you've sold a hundred thousand units. Like, I think for Mediatonic to have that lump sum that probably helped pay off a lot of what Fall Guys, Fall Guys took to make, I can understand why that would have been taken. I th- it's I th- I think quite a complicated issue to discuss off the top of your head yeah. on the podcast. I think, the, I think the interesting thing here to me is that the Spider-Man thing probably five years ago wouldn't be this issue. And I think it's because mm-hmm. no. we're in the complicated birthing stages of an industry that appears to be becoming more open in these regards. So yeah. Xbox has set a huge precedent that that Sony is diligently ignoring in a lot of cases. Um, mm-hmm. So we're getting to a point where there is a customer expectation that didn't used to be there. Like, I don't think when... And correct, I may well be wrong about this, but I don't think when Soul Calibur did its mad exclusives where it was like Link on GameCube, Spawn on Xbox and... At least everyone got something. Darth Vader, obviously, obviously there is. Yes, of course. There's the element that everyone gets something, but I don't remember being. I don't remember it being a huge deal that like Mm -hmm. people who wanted to play as Link but owned a PlayStation for whatever reason couldn't play as. There have been similar. I can't remember. It's annoying. I can't remember what game it was, but there's definitely been games that have been like on PlayStation. You get this exclusive mission that you can get on. Uh, I know that's only a single mission, as opposed to a whole character, like. I don't think we've ever seen this like an online game and a char- imagine if Overwatch on Xbox had a character you can't play on PlayStation. Mm. That would be But I bet there's precedent there. or like Rainbow Six just an operator that wasn't available on But this is the thing. I bet there is precedent there and we just don't remember because it wasn't as big a deal. Yeah. Like I don't don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I think it's bad and I think it's actively going to hurt Avengers in the long run. Um, and just like having fucking Virgin Media exclusive skins and stuff, it's it's bonkers. <laughs> like it's a game being built by business rather than built by um, like customer yeah. need. But and it will make a lot yeah. of money. But I do think we're in a situation where people are suddenly now aware of these decisions and have bigger opinions on them than they used to because they've been led yep. to believe other stuff is now the case. Mm. It's interesting. It's a 
it's a big conversation. Peter, I like that you made us have that conversation, even if I don't necessarily agree with you. So well done. <laughs> Ledge. Right. You. I've got something from, from regular listener Joshua Pickett-Smith. And uh, he says, Hi guys, I hope I like that you enjoyed the PS state of play, if not being overwhelmed by it. But one thing that I've been thinking about is that you touched on, uh, that you touched on in the podcast was Hitman in VR. Personally, I'm not fussed about the violence in games after 20 plus years of desensitization, but something about the idea of effectively garroting a person with my own hands is another level of violence that I don't know if it sits well with me. It seems like a step above press square to kill. I can already see the misinformed mainstream media picking up on this as, as serial killer training. I haven't got a VR kit myself, so I'm not aware of these kinds. Uh, if these kinds of VR games exist already. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on if a game can be too violent, and if so, what point is that? Does this need a whole new rating category, or is this a turning point for games a la Manhunt that eventually becomes tame in a couple of years' time? Cheers for all the great work. I will agree. When I first saw the Hitman trailer, I was like, this is a perfect game for VR, but at the same time, could be awful. Like, <laughs> like, that did, I like, did genuinely feel uncomfortable with the idea of doing that. And I think... So, I think... Joshua raises a point of wanted to get your thoughts if a game can be too violent and if so what point that is mm. to me it's more nuanced it's at what point is a game too violent for you like there was a point in the history of Mortal Kombat where the fatalities became actively gross to me rather than fun and I know that's not shared by a lot of people but just to me at a certain point I was like I actually don't like watching these anymore I think it's grim yeah. um, and I don't mind if you don't feel that way but it's just my that's my deal and the hitman thing is another moment where like i've played vr games that are like astoundingly violent but there's something about the idea of quietly choking a man to death with a wire that really doesn't make me feel nice there's something totally non-fantastical about it it's just Mm. walking up to a man in a real world location and i don't know if it's going to be like using the dual strap or you just press square and it does the animation or with the move controllers can you actually physically do yeah. i don't like we don't know enough about that yet but yeah like the fact you because a lot of the hitman kills are very up close mm. and personal like it'll be very funny to just push a piano onto someone in but VR. that's it That'd be yeah funny. the hitman the hitman <laughs> stuff but do you basically want... slapstick comedy or will just be great just poison some whiskey or something that'll be fun but yeah like, i do agree like going up to someone and strangling them or going up to them and just stabbing them in the back or something so might be when I first like got my Oculus, um, one of the games that, and it's like a very, very popular game on Steam, is, is Blade and Sorcery. And it's, it is literally just, you have waves of enemies that come to you. It's a medieval fighting game. Um, but that was the first game that I played where like you, you can literally hold someone by the throat and like gradually push a knife into their abdomen. Mm-hmm. And like the... It's not a very well animated game by any means, so it's not like you see the lights in their <laughs> eyes sort of fade or anything like that. But it is one of those times where, like, I like I I like violent games. I like mm. Doom. I like blowing the shit out of people. Uh, you know, quite often the gorier I get something out of gory games, right? Mm. But there was a moment where I was like, theoretically, I quite like this, like having proper sword mm. fights with people and ramming someone onto the end of a sword and then kicking them off the end or grabbing someone by their wrist and hacking their arm off there was something about that that was like this is cool 
but doing it made me feel incredibly uncomfortable yeah. and i have not played a lot of that game because i think that's where i've learned my my limit yeah. is i'll happily do that in a third person or first person action game where i'm a bit divorced from yeah. it like if sky i've used a skyrim mod before where the where the combat's just a little bit more violent than it is in the base game i like the witcher hacking heads mm. off in the witcher all of that is mm. fun doing it myself yeah i don't know if kind of hitman will be worse or better because there's less confrontation in hitman it's like you do you tend to do one kill in hitman yeah. right if you're trying to do it properly mm-hmm. but it's like if it's the only kill is gonna be holding down sean bean into a toilet bowl <laughs> as you flush him down is that gonna be too much yeah. well th- especially as he if you if he does actually whisper like shit i don't like i i don't think any of us are saying like this is outrageous and this shouldn't be oh, allowed no, no. i just think it's all personal i preference. think this is, i think it's all about personal preference i do find the idea of a new rating category interesting i don't know how you draw that line but like realist v for visceral or like, or like <laughs> one-to-one kills almost like rather than button press kills doing kills yourself might mm-hmm. it, like it's not even about like locking it off to people it's almost like an early warning of just like you might find this a bit weird um and obviously they're not going to be... A new genre, murder simulation. But, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a thing already, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think like maybe that whole thing of like there is a category for this is VR, you say one-to-one matched combat. Mm-hmm. And, or, and you know, even if it's not necessarily a rating, just something that is more explicitly explained in the description of what a game mm-hmm. is. Because, yeah, there is... It, it, it can be a bit weird. And the other thing is, is like some games do it... For example, Half Life Alex has no hand to hand combat, mm. so there's not like it's not like you've got the crowbar or anything. But also, everybody that you fight in Half Life Alex is a combine, so they've got gas masks yeah. on, and yeah. that helps divorce a lot of that. Like, it is just quite fun to gun down like seven combine because yeah, whereas like about- going up against people that don't have helmets on, and especially in Blade and Sorcery, where it's women and men mm. as well, like. Yeah. When you talk about Blade and Sorcery, yeah. like the stuff you're describing is essentially the same things I was doing in that uh, Oculus game Robo Recall, which is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But they're robots, so when I tear their limbs off and like like throw their heads at someone else, and you know do all sorts of stuff that would mm-hmm. be fucking grim in one of those games, yeah, like it's wicked. And like it is a lot of it is about that feeling of like, uh, do I get power, do I get the right? visceral? If you can tear a man's limb yeah. off, like that's a power. Do I fantasy? get the visceral thrill of this without? the uncomfortable nature of like simulation in some way which i think is interesting Mm -hmm. and like it's a fun liminal space to explore and everyone will have their own point on that scale where they're just like nah not for me anymore i don't need this um yeah but yeah we had some really good proper thoughtful emails this week not that we don't always but interesting chat i thought that was good yes I hope for more. If you want to send in some thoughtful emails, send them to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. We await them with eager eyes and open mouths. Good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a pleasure this has been. Especially as it is now below 30 degrees. There's a breeze and everything. Like I said, the party didn't stop. Uh, What music should we have? Mm. Should we have... Sign from Alan Wayne? Oh, one of the license tracks that will mean it will one day disappear from all storefronts forever. Uh, they already had that. Oh, they did, with it, didn't, didn't they? they? They got taken down. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. Do an Alan Wake track. Why not? What's your fave? Well, 
I know. Do you not want to do one of the what's the the Viking band oh, in? Asgard. <laughs> okay. Something of Asgard. Warriors of Asgard, is it? It might be that. Let's do an Asgard. It's the same band that do um the the Ashtray maze. Yeah. Uh maybe we'll play one of those. Then. Okay. That's what we'll do. Okay. Should we just yeah. go? Yeah. All right then. Sweet Bye. dreams. Bye. Bye.